0: We are beginning a new series today called Relationship. Now, I don't mean relationships necessarily in the form of romantic relationships. I mean the fact that we as humans relate to one another. That we living on this earth as humans have this context of relationship. We cannot avoid it. We cannot get around it. You cannot escape relationships because relationship is about relating to people. So unless you want to go into the desert and live in a cave somewhere, relationship is going to be part of your life. In some way, shape, or form, relationship is going to be part of your life. Because every time you go to Target or the grocery store and you check out your groceries, You have a brief relationship with a cashier. Now, it might be short. It might be short-lived. It may be long-lived. You may know that person previously. But you enter into a relationship with that person. Every time you drive past a homeless person on the street, you enter into a relationship with that person. And you can either choose to, what, avoid eye contact with them because, what, you feel guilty that you're not going to give them the money that they ask for. Or you can engage that relationship. Every time you go home to your spouse or to your children you engage a relationship. Every time you come to church you engage relationship. Every time you walk out the door wherever you go as a human living on this green earth you are in relationship. You cannot get around it. It is everywhere. So when people hear the phrase you were made for each other, they typically think of romance and dating and marriage. But in the context I want to address it in this morning, which you were made for each other, by the way, is the topic of our conversation this morning. I want to address a more generic context than that. The fact is that we were made for each other. There's something embedded in the very nature of being human that means we were made for each other. We were made for others. We were made to be in relationship. And so we better learn to do this thing well, right? If we were made for each other, if we cannot avoid relationships, we better learn to do relationship well. You cannot avoid it. It is everywhere. And everywhere we go, we're running into relationships, and we're being reminded of relationships. Take a look at this video as a case study. So the fact is, we cannot avoid relationships, right? And so all of those bystanders in that hallway, they didn't know that there was going to be a marriage proposal there, but there was. And so how does that make you feel? When you see a marriage proposal, how does it make you feel? Anybody want to have a, have a suggestion of how it makes them feel? Happy. happy. Does it make everybody feel happy? <laughs> what about the people who are single here? Does that make you feel happy? Does it make you long for a relationship like that? What about if you went through a divorce? And what if you went through a really bad divorce? Does, seeing a, does running into a, a relationship forming in the ha- hallway randomly Make you feel happy? What if you and your spouse are going through a difficult time right now? Does it bring you back to a day when there was joy and happiness in your marriage and you reminisce on that? You know what makes me feel? makes me feel pathetic because my proposal to Emily was horrible. (laughs) I set a very bad precedent for romance in our marriage, unfortunately. But we can't avoid that, right? I mean, all all those bystanders in the hallway, they didn't know there was going to be a proposal. But there was. And so we are constantly running up against relationship. And every time we see relationship happening, whether it be a proposal or something else, it's going to cause us to feel certain ways. And so we better learn to do relationship well. We better learn to live well with other people if we are going to function properly in this world. On to the next case study. How does it make you feel? Oh, yeah, right? Yeah, it's cute. Now, for those of you who have infants and been through that stage, you probably can relate a little bit. You know what? I have a two year old. His name is Luke. And I was, uh, my wife is away this weekend. And it was just me and Luke and Ethan. And there were times when I wanted to st- honestly strangle that kid a couple times <laughs> this weekend. Uh, leave him on the side of the road as I drove away. Of course, I would never do that. But like, I think of like this it's like, yeah, you preached to me as an infant. I just wait a couple of years until you're s- whining all the time. Oh, goodness. That's how it makes me feel. How does it make you feel? Yeah, wait till they get to be a teenager, right? You go to the park, you see a mother with her infant. Right? You can't avoid it. You didn't ask for it to be there, but it was there. The relationship was there, so how are you going to interact with it? It could bring delight in you. You might just love children. You may love babies. You might have infants of your own. It might bring delight in you. It might bring a lot of joy and peace in you. But what if you had a miscarriage? Or what if you lost a child in infancy? Would that be hard, do you think? Being bombarded with relationship of a mother with her infant all the time? It would be challenging. It would cause a lot of grief in you. It would cause you a lot of heartache. One more case study. So here's the thing. Tomorrow, you're going to go to work, and there's going to be that moron, <laughs> the task... <laughs> How's it make you feel? It might be funny parody, but the truth is there are people at work that are hard to work with, right? There are people at school that it's like, man, I don't want to go to school because that kid sits next to me. I don't go to work because I share a cubicle with that guy. You can't get around relationships. They're everywhere. And every time we encounter a relationship, every time we encounter somebody, we are going to feel a certain way. And so we better learn to feel rightly we better learn to interact rightly with the people that we are around relationships and action and people remind us of of current situations and past re- situations the the past is constantly brought up our own experiences with people in the past and how people have hurt us or if people have blessed us as we see infants in the park as we see people at work as we see marriage proposals taking place We are in relationships all the time, and whether that be relationships for a brief moment or for a lifetime, we are in relationships all the time. They cannot be avoided, and they shouldn't be avoided. So as difficult as they may be, the challenging thing is not to run away from those people who hurt us, not to run away from the guy in the cubicle next to me, not turn my eye to the homeless person on the street, but to learn to interact with people in the way that we were intended to interact with. Because at the end of the day, if the way we relate to people is not in a particular manner, if the way we relate to people is not in a particular manner, then we as humans are not functioning in the way that we are intended to function. We were made for each other. We were made for relationship. We were made for community. We were made to be in relationship. And when relationship is void, depraved, or twisted, it does horrible things To humanity and to the individual human person. Think of the several reported cases of children being found who had been raised by animals. They had no words. Their behavior was erratic and imitated whichever animal raised them. Their weight was typically one third of that of a typical child their age. They had no coping skills. And several of them, after they were placed into human interaction, died shortly thereafter. Without relationship, It does something incredibly horrible to the psyche, to the human psyche. Think of children in the Romanian orphanages before 1990 who were placed in cribs and left for days with little or no interaction from a caregiver. There'd be an entire room full of cribs with infants in them, and there'd be one caregiver to feed them and change all of them. And so the kids had no interaction. Most of these children suffered from failure to thrive, they didn't gain weight, they didn't develop language, most of their brains and bodies never matured past their infancy. In order the course of a couple of years, most of these children died. No human inaction does horrible things to the psyche. We need relationships. Think of prisoners who are forced into solitary confinement. You may have heard the story of Sarah Short, a tourist in Iraq a couple of years ago who was captured. She was forced to spend 110 days in solitary confinement. This is what she said upon her release. After just two months, my, f- my mind began to slip. I would spend large portions of my day crouched down on all fours by a small slot in my cell door, listening for any sounds that might distract me from the terror of my isolation. I suffered from insomnia, nightmares, hallucinations, and emotional detachment. I often had violent panic attacks. More than once, I completely lost control and began screaming and beating the walls of my cell until my knuckles bled. I started to realize that there was a slow disintegration of my personality, my sense of who I was. You are existing in this kind of vacuum. We need relationship. We need community. It does horrible things to the psyche when we do not have it. Think of how often we relate to one another in a twisted fashion, in a manipulative fashion. You know what that does I think of this girl named Denise, a 13-year-old girl in Southern California who was in and out of foster homes. She craved love and support from a parent figure, and she found that in an older boyfriend she met in her neighborhood. He slowly convinced her that she could earn a lot of money in prostitution and acted as her pimp. She was arrested multiple times and served time in jail. Law enforcement did not identify her as human traffic victim, so she did not receive social services and instead entered the juvenile justice system as an offender. She has never had a prostitution convictions expunged. These convictions have made it nearly impossible for her to find work. She admits that most in her financial situation would have returned to prostitution by now. When we manipulate each other, when we interact with one another in a twisted fashion, in a fashion that says, you are only as good for me as what I can gain from you, then it does horrible things to the psyche. We need relationships and we need to live in relationships well. And so I hope this makes you uncomfortable. I hope there's a part of you that is uncomfortable, and not so much the bent justice of our prison systems and the ethics behind our torture or correction, not so much being children being ushered into prostitution and sex trafficking by older boyfriends, not so much children crying days on end in cribs. I hope that that makes you uncomfortable as well, but I hope the reality that we need people and that We need relationship and we need community. I hope that makes you uncomfortable as well because the reality is we do not do it very well. We don't do relationship very well as a people because somehow what it means to be human is to be in relationship. Maybe we don't do humanity all that well as humans. Genesis 1, if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to open them up to the first chapter of the Bible. We're going to start at verse 26. If you don't have your Bibles, that's fine. The words will be on the screen. It says this, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God saw that all that he had made, and it was very good. Father in heaven, we need your wisdom to enlighten us this morning. I pray that you would open our eyes and open our ears. God, open our minds and our hearts to receiving your word and your truth, God, and convict us of those times when we don't do relationship well, when we don't function the way we were meant to function. And help us, God, by your strength and by your knowledge, God, to live rightly in this world with all of the people. Amen. Now, some people are going to see a statement like this that what it means to be human is to be in relationship, and they're going to justify abortion. Because how could an infant in utero, how could a, a child in utero have any sort of relationship with uh, another human being? And I think the fact is that possibly the in utero relationship between a mother and And an unborn child is maybe the most profound and intimate relationship that exists in our world. It's a relationship of sheer dependency and care of one being to another. For those of you who are mothers, maybe you know this to be true. We live in a selfish world that does all it can to justify certain things. But this is the most unique, dependent, intimate relationship that exists in our physical world. Some people are going to look at movies like Her or AI or The Terminator star trek anything with artificial intelligence and say hey well though though they were able to have relationship with robots maybe we should create that future maybe that's an accurate portrayal are robots humans some are going to say look i have a relationship with my dog i have a relationship with my cat or my fish in its fishbowl are they humans according to genesis all of those and other scenarios that you could create miss the point Biblically, humans are defined in terms of our relationship, but in particular, our relationship with God, which in turn defines our relationship with one another. So what it means to be human is to be in relationship with God, which means what it means to be human is to be made in God's image and to reflect his image to the world. That somehow, in order to be human, the way we relate to one another is to be done in a God-like way. In order to be fully human, the way we interact with one another is to be done in a God-like way. And when that relating to someone, right? When our relationships to other people are not God-like, when it does not reflect his image, then somehow we are less human than God intended us to be. That somehow if our relationships with one another do not reflect God, then somehow we are not living up to the potential of our humanity. There's a bridge in Tyler Park. You guys know where Tyler Park is up in Newtown. There's a bridge there. And carved in to the wood on this bridge, it says this, we are animals. Don't be ashamed to live like it. It's obviously a philosophy of somebody that they wanted to share with the rest of the world who would ever cross that bridge. We are animals. Don't be ashamed to live like it. Now, whatever living like an animal implies... It is true that we are more like animals than humans when our relationship do not reflect God. We are more like animals than humans when we do not reflect God in whose image we were made. So the creation of humanity is the pinnacle of God's creation story, and he created humanity to function in a particular way. So if you know the story of Genesis 1, you might be familiar with the fact that at the end of each day, God said that it is good. You guys remember that from your readings of Genesis 1 prior? At the end of verse 31 here, we get that he saw all of his creation, that it was very good. Now, its goodness is not in regards to any of its qualities, but rather in regards to its function. Creation is doing what it was supposed to do. It's functioning in the way that God had created it and intended it to function. Creation is doing what it was intended to do. And so he looks at his creation, he says, it is very good. All of creation, including humanity, functions as it was intended to function. Humanity does what they were intended to do. So when God says, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that live along the ground, he is stating, I will make vice regents. I will make creatures that are like me, that resemble me in authority, that I will empower and give power to. To be made in God's image means a lot of things, but probably the most significant thing it means is that we are intended to function in the same way God functions. That God has given us in very self so that we might function in this world in the same way that he functions. It said in verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Do you guys get this? You were made in the image of God. You were intended to function in the same way God functions. That is how God designed humanity to function. We do not function in the way God functions. We are more like animals than we are humans. And So the question is, how does God function? Of course. God is triune, and that is not explicitly mentioned in Scripture. But through the self-revelation of God found all throughout Scripture, we recognize that God is triune, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And this is so crucial in understanding the intent of our relationships, the intent of him creating us. It is so crucial to understand Trinitarian theology. And so I'm going to give you like a four-minute brief snapshot on Trinitarian theology so you get an idea of how we are supposed to function. And this is going to be the foundation for this entire series, that God is Trinity, and out of this Trinity triune relationship, he created the world, created humanity to function like he functions. And so when we talk about the Trinity, all we're really doing is schematizing, as best as our finite minds can, God's self-revelation found in Scripture. The church fathers dubbed God to be three persons in one being, and they understood that his oneness was derived from his very nature, which is love. That the love of God actually brought the three persons of the Trinity together into one being. This love is so radical and profound and otherworldly and mysterious and divine that it actually creates oneness out of many. But we must be careful. God is not more fundamentally one than he is three, and he's not more fundamentally three than he is one. He is not one God who reveals himself in three different ways in different times in history, like in the Old Testament he was the Father, in the New Testament he was Jesus Christ, and now he's the Holy Spirit. Nor is he three gods that make up some sort of council. He is three persons and one being bound together by his very nature, which is love. C.S. Lewis, one of the great authors of the last century, said, God is not a static thing. But a dynamic, pulsating activity of life, almost a kind of drama. Almost, if you will not think of me irreverent, a kind of dance. You see, the three persons of God, they defer and encircle around the other. So each person of the Trinity encircles the other two persons of the Trinity. They're not self-interested. They're not self-seeking. They're not self-pursuing. They're not self-gratifying. All of their interest and all of their life is poured out upon the others. They're oriented in love to one another, and it creates a beautiful dance of life full of fluid motion that is constantly pursuing and encircling others. They are not self-interested, but they are other-oriented and other-seeking. They are love. Not self-interested, but sacrificial. Not me-oriented, but you-oriented. Think of it this way. If you put three people in a room who said, okay, I'm going to wait until you come to me. I'm going to wait until you serve me. I'm going to wait until you pursue me. I'm going to stand here in my stubbornness and my self interest, and I'm going to wait till you come to me. What's going to happen if all three people had that mentality? What would that room look like? It would be three people standing still. There'd be no life, there'd be no dance, there'd be no pursuit, there'd be no love. And so, this foundational understanding of the Trinity is crucial to understanding how our relationships were meant to function. That God is love community of love. Not self-interested, not self-seeking, but other-oriented. And so the point is we are most human when we reflect God in whose image we are made. Because you guys get that? You are most human when you reflect God in whose image you are made. The point is that we were designed as humans to love one another, to look first to the interest of other people, to become self-sacrificial for the sake of other people, to encircle our lives around Other people, to serve other people before we serve ourselves, to give of ourselves so that another might find life. To be outward focused rather than inward focused. That is how God created the humans to function. That is how God created us to work as people. We are most human, Restoration Church, when we love. you guys get that? You're most human when you love. You're living into your function, your intended function Most when you love. Because in our love, we reflect the Trinitarian God in whose image we were made. And so, we are constantly relating to people. You can't avoid it. You can't get around it. Relationships are everywhere. And so, hundreds of times a day, we have opportunities to either encircle ourselves or encircle another. Do you guys get that? Every time you come across another person... You are faced with a decision to make. Am I going to encircle myself? Am I going to be selfish and self-pursuit and self-interest and self-gratification and self-reign? Or am I going to encircle someone else? Hundreds of times a day, if not thousands of times a day, you have this decision to make. We can either live as animals, and we can choose selfishness. We can choose self-gratification, and we can say, I'm going to serve myself here. Or we can live as humans and learn to love. We can either isolate, and through selfishness, we can isolate ourselves from humanity. Because, you know, when you choose selfishness, that's really what you're doing, is you're isolating yourselves from the rest of the world. We can choose isolation, we can choose loneliness, or we can choose to love. We can either die to ourselves and in turn encircle others and discover life, or we can remain selfish encircling ourselves, and we can remain dead. Hundreds of times a day, friends, you have these decisions to make. And so you're going to walk out of this room. And maybe you're going to go to lunch. And you're going to sit down at a table. And you're going to have interaction with a host. And then the server is going to come your way. And you're going to interact with a server. And maybe that server is new. Maybe that server is, is... struggling to get your order correct and it's going to take an extra 15 to 20 minutes to get your food maybe that server is going to bring you the wrong drink maybe that server is going to spill a tray of drinks on your lap I did that once serving tables (laughs) Restoration Church you have a decision to make are you going to choose selfishness and self pursuit and self gratification or are you going to choose to love that server Are you going to choose to live like an animal or are you going to choose to live like a human? Through your attitudes and through the words you choose to say and through the tip you still choose to give that server, you are going to make a decision whether you're going to love them or you're going to choose selfishness. And tomorrow, perhaps, when you go back to work or you go back to school and you come across that guy in the cubicle next to you, And you're like, really, I have to sit next to this guy again? I have to spend another day listening to this guy talk. I have to spend another day listening to this guy bicker and complain. You're going to have a decision to make. Are you going to choose to live as an animal? Or are you going to choose to live as a human? Through your attitude of that guy, and through the way you pray for him throughout the day, through the things you choose to say for, to him. And when it comes lunchtime and, you know, all the cool kids gather in the corner to eat their lunch and that one guy is left all alone, you have a decision to make. Are you going to choose to love that guy by maybe going and hearing his story over a sandwich? Or are you going to join the cool kids and you are going to gossip about that guy and that, how cruel he is and horrible he is to work with? Same can relate to the school system. There's those unpopular kids who don't seem to have any friends. Are you going to choose to gossip about them or are you going to go in solidarity and stand beside them? And this week, perhaps, you're going to head downtown to a Phillies game. And on your way, inevitably, you're going to run into a homeless person. (laughs) It's nearly impossible not to. And you're going to have some decisions to make. Are you going to avoid eye contact with that guy? Or are you going to engage that guy with your eyes and through your generosity? Are you going to immediately make some judgments about his assumed situation? Or are you going to pray for him? Are you going to take out your wallet and provide him with some cash? Or are you better yet going to say, hey, why don't you come across the street and let me treat you to lunch? There was a time and uh my wife and I went on a baby moon baby moons, right I mean the tourist industry will do anything to get us to travel baby moon we uh we knew we were going to have our first son Ethan, and so we took a vacation to Southern California to San Diego. My wife was thirty six weeks pregnant when we did this, and uh the homeless are everywhere in san diego it's a, It's a warm climate you can you can survive pretty well down in Southern California as a homeless person. And so next to a Chick-fil-A, there is a woman holding a sign. I am pregnant. I'm hungry. Can you please help? And here we are. My wife is pregnant. We have a decision to make. Man, we can relate, obviously, to this woman who is homeless and she is pregnant. She's standing next to a Chick-fil-A. She's hungry. What do you do? What do you do, Restoration Church? Do you drive by like the thousands of cars did before us? Or do you roll down your window and say, hey, Meet us at the Chick-fil-A. We're going to buy you lunch. And you hear a story of a broken life and a broken heart and a woman who is searching for something. And you have an opportunity to share with her the love of Christ and where all of those longings could be met. What are you going to choose? Are you going to choose to live like an animal or are you going to choose to live like a human? And later this week, perhaps you and your spouse are going to begin to bicker about something. You're going to begin to argue, and you're going to be to complain. And you're going to have a hundred opportunities to choose to either live like an animal or to live like a human. To choose love or to choose hate. Choose love or to choose selfishness. You're going to have opportunities to manifest your love through exhibiting humility instead of pride in the face of that argument. You guys ever notice that pride is usually the reason why arguments start? That if we would just humble ourselves, we could get along a lot better with one another? You can make a decision about the tone of voice you use. You're going to have a decision about the words you choose to use. You're going to have a decision about the attitude you take. You're going to have a decision about the follow-up of that conversation. You're going to have a decision to make about the changes that you choose to make in your own life so that that argument doesn't happen again. Do you guys get the point? That you can't avoid relationships. Can't get away from them. They're everywhere. And so how are you going to choose to live in light of these relationships? Are you going to choose to live like a animal? Are you going to choose to live like a human? We are relational beings, and every person we come in contact with, we relate in one way or another. And the call of the Christian, for all of us who claim to be Christians this morning, is to relate with them in a Trinitarian-like fashion. To say, God created me to function in a particular way, and that was in love. Like he functions in love with all other people. That my life would not be selfish, it would not be self-pursuing, it would not be self-gratifying or self-reigning, but my love would be spilled out and my life would encircle others. My life would be a, a constant process of dying to myself so that another might live. That my life would be a constant giving of myself so that someone else might be blessed. That I would serve and I would be you-oriented rather than me-oriented. I think the world would be a better place if some of us were able to do this. I think the households that we live in would be a better place if some of us were able to do this. Over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about relationship in particular context. And there's a scary reality for us waiting when we choose selfishness, when we choose to live like animals rather than choose to live like humans. But I hope that our households, I hope that our relationships at work and at school and the people we meet on the streets would not just be better because of our time spent this morning, but would actually be human relationships. And that God's kingdom would actually thrive through us, that as we learn to love, that God's kingdom would be established in that moment. And that as we learn to love, that God's kingdom would be advanced through the work that we do. And the work that we do might be interacting with someone differently today. And so, my friends, I encourage you to pray. Pray before every person you encounter. Say, God, I know I don't have the strength. I know I want to choose selfish. I know to be selfish. I know that I would rather, uh, goodness God, I'm waiting in this line, right, at at Target. And um, I know that I'd rather just look at my phone and check my email, but maybe this person needs me. There was this time in, um, in college when I approached this woman uh, to check out groceries, and she was kind of downtrodden. She looked sad, and she had a name tag on. I can't remember what her name was, but I simply said, hello, Sarah. And all of a sudden, you could see the demeanor in her face change. And she said, you know what? Nobody in my five years of working here has ever called me by my name. Nobody cares about me here. I'm a minion doing the work of the man. This job is pathetic. I hate it. There is no point in being here other than to scan people's groceries. Nobody ever talks to me. Nobody ever cares about me. And all I did was say her name. All I did was ask her how she was, and all of a sudden her whole life changed. Well, her day changed. Her minute changed. (laughs) But she came to life. And so I had a decision to make. Are you going to interact with that person in love and choose to be a human, or are you going to interact with them with hate and selfishness and choose to be an animal? Come with me on this crazy journey called the relationship over the next five weeks. As we lay the foundation for this trinity this morning, this trinity-based relationship, what it does, what we are called to, that's going to be the foundation we jump off of from here on out. Okay? If you please stand for the benediction. Oh, Restoration Church, we have such an incredible task in front of us. We are called as a church body to represent God in this world, and it is an incredible challenging task. It's a task that is otherworldly. It's a task that we cannot accomplish outside of the grace and the mercy of God. And so my challenge to you this morning, pray. Pray before every encounter you come across, because you're going to need God's strength to interact with people as humans rather than as animals. And that is my challenge for you this morning. Go into the world. Show the world who God is by your love. Show your spouse who God is by your love. Show your children who God is by your love. Show the homeless man on the street who God is by your love. Show that cashier and that server at that restaurant who God is by your love. Amen? Go in peace. Thank you all. God bless you.